Welcome to Live Without Borders, a travel and wellness show for expats, the expat curious, and globally-minded citizens of the world. We are the travelers, the culturally curious, the experiences and not things kind of people. And we know that freedom is about more than getting on a plane. It's about becoming the most heroic versions of ourselves, which is why on this podcast, you will hear insider travel secrets, inspiring expat stories, and advice on how to live abroad. But you will also hear episodes that will help give you the clarity, focus, and skills you need to create a life that will set your soul on fire. I am your host, Sarah Mikatel, a certified clarity coach trained in the Enneagram, and I first moved abroad on my own at age 18, and I have been permanently enjoying life in Europe since 2010. If you are ready to make some big moves in your life and want my help moving from someday to seize the day, visit livewithoutborderspodcast.com. My guest today is a gal from New Orleans who has been living and working in Madrid for the last seven years. I am talking to Kefra White, a teacher and comedian who kind of fell into expat life after a series of unfortunate events. But today she is living her best life in Spain and she has no regrets. In today's episode, Kefra and I will talk about how you can live and work in Spain if you are an American or a Canadian via the North American Language and Culture Assistance Program. Kefra also shares some really fascinating insight on what lockdown has been, the COVID lockdown has been like in Spain. So at the time of this recording, many countries still have strict measures in place to manage the global pandemic. And I just find it so interesting to hear about what life has been like over this last year for people in different parts of the world. Quick warning that there is some swearing in this episode, and I also start singing at some point because sometimes I burst out into song for no reason. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome, Kefra. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. So you are from New Orleans, but have lived in Madrid for several years. So how did you end up there? Long story short, I was working, I had a journalist, I had just finished university and was working at a news station in like the most entry level position possible, hoping for something else. And I was in an eight month relationship and within the same 24 hours, I had neither. (laughs) Whoa. Yep. And someone at university had told me about what's called the Auxiliares de Conversacion program. It's for language assistance basically paid TAs in Spanish schools because I couldn't afford to study abroad. And they mentioned that their friend did this thing, but they got paid for it. And I was like, Ooh, paid. I like paid. Tell me Mm -hmm. about paid. (laughs) And paid ended up being this program. And so since my, I wasn't doing well at the job and suddenly did not have a relationship, I was just like, well, shit, nothing's stopping me now. Uh Might as well apply. So how is this something that's still available to people? How would you apply for something like this? Yes, it is. You can actually Google language assistant Spain and the government program with the Ministry of Education, which is free to apply, by the way, usually comes right up at the top. There are also programs like the one that I'm currently in by Escuelas Catholicas, Catholic schools. It's called BEDA, B-E-D-A, and it is for private Catholic schools. And you're also doing a postgraduate uh, specialized certificate at the same time at Guamillas, which is a local Catholic university. Uh, So you have to pay like 175 to more or less, sometimes I think it's 250 the first year. 
you have to have your transcripts, so you have to be a you have to have graduated from university because you're also taking a course. But that's another way to be a language assistant. Okay, very cool. So this is how you ended up in Spain specifically. Just this opportunity came up and you're like, yeah, I'm going to jump on it. Yeah, basically. And you're still doing that kind of work. What's the visa situation? Are they supporting you for that? Okay, so yeah, the min- they, they sponsor your visa. It is a student visa sponsored by the Ministry of Education or by the beta program. And there are a couple of other ones that you do have to pay for. Um, CIEE is one. It is a student visa, which means you don't have the right to work or anything like that. But they also give you, hey, Americans, listen to this, insurance. Very nice. Yes, you get that health care, y'all. So I think you've been there for like seven years. Is that right? Uh, yes, actually. It will be seven years in, what is today? Yeah, 10 days, 12 days. Ha ha. In 12 days, it will be seven years. It's my anniversary. Happy anniversary. So are you eligible for citizenship now? Is that something you're interested in? I'm very interested in that. Americans, you, <clears throat> excuse me, United Statesians have to <laughs> have to wait 10 years before you can begin the application for citizenship. But I do plan on getting it. Right now, I do have residency. I do have residency and the right to work because my visa has changed. Once you've been here three or four years, you can actually change your student visa to a work visa through a very complicated process. (laughs) Or you can get married or do what is called a pareja de hecho, which is basically a civil union with your partner, EU partner. And that, at least if your partner is Spanish, that does give you the right to work and and live here so my ex-partner and i did a pareja de hecho three almost four years ago we actually ended that in july well i'm sorry to hear about your breakup but i'm glad you can still live in spain i'm happy to be here and she is still my best friend so we cool we talk all the time (laughs) good and your spanish sounds great so did you speak spanish before you moved over there Absolutely not. Short of the menu at Taco Bell. No, I took Spanish uh, in the States. And my grandfather is from Panama, but we never really learned Spanish from them. So my problem was I could understand a lot and I could read some, but I never really spoke because you're always afraid and shy to speak mm-hmm. in another language. But when I got here, they mo- I, I was placed in, I wasn't in the center of Madrid. I was in the area north and I've lived in neighborhoods where they just don't speak Spanish. I mean, English. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just they don't speak English. They just don't. It's very local, very working class, and you have to figure it out. And my town, where my school was, La Cabrera, is in the mountains, and it's very small, and it's not even a bilingual school. You have to work with the people. And they were very awesome. They taught me everything I know. That's the best way to learn is to get thrown in. Really, though, and I got thrown in because here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing about the ministry program, especially you don't really get that much help. (laughs) You, you know, they you have to find your own housing. They help you with the paperwork, immigration paperwork the first year. Mm-hmm. They help you get all of that together, but like literally everything is in Spanish, which of course it's Spain. But you have to do things on your own. You have to find a place to live. You have to get a get a phone set up. Um, you have to get a bank account so you can get paid. They don't help you with that really. So when I showed up, I had to figure everything out. 
And you did it. You faced the challenge. You rose to the challenge. I rose to the challenge. I really had no point. I, I mean, I not no point. <laughs> well, I mean, I had no choice. You know, I, I yeah. really there was a part of me that just kept saying, "Did I give up my my job, my family, my friends, my apartment, my cat, and literally cross an ocean to go back with my tail between my legs because I couldn't open a bank account?" Right. Right. <laughs> No. So I had to do it. And I met some cool people that like helped me, especially with the apartment, who helped me read the websites and tell me what certain things meant so I could find places. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that's going to help you as an expat is to be open to meeting new people who could potentially help you out. Like i had a similar story of moving to Italy and choosing a place where there was not much English spoken because I I did want to learn it and I was like applying for citizenship and I, I mean without my friends that would have been a much harder road to hoe for sure. God, I bet. Whoa. So how long were you there? I got my citizenship pretty quick because oh. of my Italian heritage. Oh, work right on. Yeah, and then I ended up staying for about almost a year because I loved it so much. And now I live in England. <laughs> I want to ask you so many questions, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'll come on your podcast when you watch it. <laughs> I know. I You know what? I, I will take you up on that. All right. All <laughs> I would right. love that. Because I'm like, okay. I, have, I have so many questions. <laughs> well, what's keeping in you in Madrid for like seven years? And I know this year was a particularly tough year because of COVID. What's that been like? <laughs> well, surreal. Especially now, like it's December, it's almost January. And there's a part of me sitting here just like, did that really happen? <laughs> did I really sit here from March to the end of June? unable to leave my house like you know under threat of fine or arrest it, it was really it's so surreal that that actually happened so it was march through june in spain that that severe lockdown wow and that yeah they didn't mess around did they they did not <laughs> they did not i mean i want they had the police uh if you went to the supermarket because we could only go to the market the pharmacy the bank and the doctor if they were open. And so the police, you had to have your receipts when you went to buy something, because if you got stopped by the police, you had to prove that you were buying what you said you were buying, because some people would just take empty shopping bags and try to go for a walk. Yeah, it's hard to blame them. I mean, I ain't mad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, we, we had little things like that. Uh, but it was not that bad i don't know mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't that good but it, it really it just was what you made it and even walking out in the sun hits different when you haven't seen it for a couple of months but mm -hmm. i i just i don't know it was seemed it was a very surreal time but you know we just made it work lots of zoom calls lots of drunken zoom calls <laughs> lots of balcony dance parties my neighbors did a thing where we have a inner courtyard so every morning, everyone would legit make their coffee and then go sit out on the terrace and just talk to each other. I love that. Yeah. We, and we had dance parties. We had quarantine karaoke on the <laughs> terrace. My song was, I Want to Break Free. Uh, thank you. We did the best that we could. We, we had a sign-up sheet for our elderly residents in the building mm -hmm. where they could send us WhatsApps and, and texts if they needed anything from the store. So we could go get it for them. 
So it was really how I met my neighbors, the people I barely talked to in the hall or on mm-hmm. the stage, like, hola, hola, hasta luego, bye, okay, girl. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I made friends. And that really was such a huge help. It really was. I think there are so many blessings that came out of the pandemic, just like that, getting to know people more in like that very unique way, people thinking more deeply about what the purpose of their life is and what direction they should be going in. And yeah, like I'm really into stoicism and what you said about like, well, what else can we do, right? We have to make the most of it. Like, I love that attitude. We can either sit home and complain about the way things are, or we can have a dance party on the balcony. Pretty much, because like this was a thing that was happening. Whether you liked it or not, we could not leave our homes unless you really wanted to go to jail or... get a $600 euro fine. We we had no choice. So I, and I was honestly, as a teacher, more worried about my students. I, I work in a secondary school. So my kids, my babies, the babies are 12 and my seniors are like 18, 19. And they suddenly, they told us two weeks. I knew it wasn't true, but <laughs> these children literally went from Oh, okay. We're going to have two weeks of no school, you know, woohoo. Yeah. To, oh shit, I haven't seen my friends in three months. And we started having online classes and I would just check in and be like, babies, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You okay? Talk to me. Tell me how's it going, how it is. And um, I would send them little videos of me wearing like, oh God, crowns and juggling or whatever and be like, I miss you guys. <laughs> and, because their teacher is insane. What was it like teaching online? It's hard. Okay. <laughs> because we all have the attention span of a net when mm-hmm. you have Zoom, but you also have Google, WhatsApp, Facebook, and YouTube open at the same time. And I know they ain't paying attention because they mm-hmm. text and I can hear the little ding, ding, <laughs> ding on their phones. We're on to you. Yeah. I was just like, y'all know I can hear. I know what the <laughs> WhatsApp people actually like me and they send me messages too. So I recognize that sound. And I know you're on WhatsApp right now, but I tried to go easy on them because this is a tough time for them. It's a very hard time. I enjoyed chilling, cold chilling in my pajamas every day. Right. Uh, The hardest thing for me was getting back in the classroom, especially with the new regulations and everything. But I mean, it's just weird. Uh, But I also realized I love walking. It's really cool. And I highly recommend it if you can do it. And I like things like leaving my home without having to prove I live where I say I do. The simple pleasures. Little things, girl. You never think (laughs) about that. Yeah. So what's it like now? Honestly, if it weren't for the masks, it feels like everything is normal pretty much. Okay, great. It's little things we see. Like when I go take the metro in the morning to school, if the metro is too full, they just turn off the turnstiles and you have to wait in a socially distanced line Mm -hmm. outside (laughs) until they let you back in. Every store has hand sanitizer. You have to have a mask to go inside or you will not, you can't go in. Which if you've been to public restrooms here, y'all know I'm not lying. Don't get mad. But um, a lot of places do not, did not have soap. Okay. Or anything. I've seen a lot of people not wash their hands when you're coming out of public bathrooms or they or they they perpetrate like they just sprinkle some water on it <laughs> and leave and so yeah that was hygiene in public restrooms or lack thereof was a huge issue 
I have to say, I have not seen that since we came off of lockdown. Everyone's got soap and sanitizer on the way in, on the way out. And I'm seeing a lot more of that everywhere. I love it. You love to see it. Don't change a thing. What about the restaurants and uh, museums? Are those back open? They are back open. Um, Sometimes you have to have appointments to go. Well, the restaurants especially, because now we are on a curfew. Mm-hmm. So from 11, sorry, mid, it was 11 when it started, but now it's midnight to 6 a.m. We can't go out. <laughs> mm-hmm. The police are back on the streets and making sure your ass is at home. I'm old, 41, but I mean, I'm just not out anyway, unless I'm getting paid. I like money, but I'm a teacher. I have to get up at seven. So I am not on the street from midnight to six. So for me, it's pretty normal. Yep. That's too late for me as well. You know, like. But the restaurants now, and this is a big issue because restaurants, you know, dinner time in Spain is usually about 10 o'clock. That's that's din-din, supper time. But now because of the regulations, restaurants cannot let anyone in after 10 and they have to be closed by 11. That's fascinating. Yeah. So you, a lot of people, you'll see folks packing the metro at 1130, trying to make that last train for curfew, mm-hmm. trying to get home. So... A lot of businesses have closed, uh, restaurants have closed, places that have been open for years are closing. And so you're starting to see the impact on it. Now, Deliveroo, which is our our version of Uber Eats during lockdown, Deliveroo, Uber Eats, Just Eats, we're living their best life. Yeah. Because when you got a captive audience, (laughs) and that's how a lot of restaurants stayed alive over lockdown. We couldn't leave the house. We couldn't go. They couldn't open, but they could deliver. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. In Italy, they did not have delivery for the longest time. And even takeaway was considered like something really weird. But now they have delivery as well. So does the UK. And, oh, work. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in how, like, I went to Spain years ago and stayed with a friend's family. So we were in like the heart of Spain. And as a vegetarian who likes to go to bed early, mm. I struggled. Oh, honey. <laughs> Oh, honey. <laughs> but yeah, tell me more about how the dinner habits are have to change because of COVID. What time are they going out for dinner now? Well, now, you know, you have to go out to dinner for like eight or nine because they can't let anyone in after 10. So it's funny because I, I, I can actually send this to you. There have been articles written about, can Spain change their eating times and how will this affect society? I'm like, y'all, it ain't that serious. We can still cook at home. but (laughs) (laughs) We have kitchens. It's not that bad. But um, it is interesting because usually, yes, dinner time is at 10. But it it doesn't seem like anything different or Mm -hmm. stranger. If anything, you might have, you have to fight harder for a reservation now. Yeah. (laughs) Because everyone's going to dinner early. (laughs) But I don't really see that much of an impact yet. What were you like when you first moved to Spain? Was it, did you have any culture shock? Oh God, yes. I just, realizing that you're, when, especially when you're a writer, editor, I do a lot of things um, with the written word. And I have been reading, since I learned how to read as a, a child when I was like five. So growing up, being a really good writer and working with literature, I studied Shakespeare, yada. Mm-hmm. Coming to a place and realizing that you were literally illiterate is very humbling, extremely humbling. Missing like missing buses or being the late work because 
there is a huelga or a strike going on and you don't know because you can't read and you don't know what the, you don't know what that word is mm-hmm. is very humbling like going to the to the supermarket and trying to buy what walking around trying to buy ibuprofen because you don't know that you have to get that at the pharmacy or just trying to find a dent being sick and trying to find one goddamn can of soup mm-hmm. <laughs> just one freaking can of soup and then realizing they don't do that here because this is not the United States. <laughs> yeah. And Campbell's Chicken and Stars is not a thing. <laughs> uh, little things like that. And because especially in the United States, when we do learn Spanish, it's it's Latino Spanish. Uh, so it's little things you don't think about, like, you know, saying asking for jugo and everyone looking at you like you're crazy because in Spain it's sumo. Or, oh, mm-hmm. sorry, I should say thumo. Okay. <laughs> Realizing that you're not surrounded by people with speech impediments because the Spanish <laughs> accent is different. And so a lot of the Zs are pronounced like Cs. Everything, there were little things. Dinner, dinner being at 10, going to restaurants and asking for just like, I, just, you know, something small. And then saying, the kitchen is closed. No one's here. And you're like, it's 830. It's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> too early. Portion sizes, big American portion sizes. The first time we got a meal and um, they brought me the plate. And I was just like, oh, that's so cute. They saved half in the back. So when uh-huh. I finished this, they would just bring the rest. It's so small. That's precious. <laughs> Where's the rest of it? This cost $13. Uh, <laughs> I realized, no, that is it. American, that's all you're getting <laughs> because we don't have those big extra supersized portions like back right. home. Yeah. So li- it's always little things, small things. The two to five, a lot of places like some supermarkets, the government office, immigration, the butcher, the pharmacy, a lot of places close from two to five. Siesta. Oh, girl, even it. And everyone says no one in Madrid, you know, no one in Madrid takes yes and no. You don't go home and sleep, but the pharmacy is still closing. Right. The butcher, the markets, they're still shut down for three hours. So if you didn't get it by one or two, guess you're gonna have to wait till five. And that was especially coming from like such a capitalist country as the states, just standing around like y'all don't want this money. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't want this money, and it's like no, they don't. They don't care. <laughs> Everything is shut down. Well, not everything, but mo- most things. A lot of the city, the markets, things like that, are closed on Sunday. They just are. Yeah, it, it's the day people spend with their families. You see a lot of families, you know, have lunch, usually roast chicken all, or on sale around the place. So when you go on a day trip or something, my mother and her friend came here and we went to Segovia right outside and they were like, everything is closed. And I was like, yeah, a lot of, most of the city is closed. Most of the town is closed. And my mom's friend was just like, they don't see all these tourists. They don't see the hordes of tourists walking around. I'm like, they, they do. I'm sure they do. They don't, they don't realize how much money they can make. And I was just like, they don't care. Your family's more important. And I actually think that's real fucking dope. Yeah, I do too. I love it. And like you, I get the impression that. Yeah. When you went over there, you probably thought like your mom's friend. And I know I felt like that in certain sense. Um, (laughs) I remember when I like worked in New York and 
we had people like in a, the European office and it felt like they were always like, you know, going on holiday or, <laughs> you know, not in the office again. And we would be like, oh, get your priorities straight. Right? And then when I lived in Europe, I was like, oh, actually, they have their priorities right here. Uh-huh. It's us who are like working crazy hours, you know, really yeah, for no for reason. Yeah, for little reward or effort. Yeah. If you get over here, you're like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Quality of life. And there are little things you have to sacrifice, like here in in Spain, um, especially in Madrid. In August, everyone usually goes out of leaves. Everyone Mm -hmm. goes, like the the city, probably the country, to be quite honest, goes on vacation. So everyone has summer hours, August. They have uh, summer hours. They don't work as much. In the summer. So even the bank is like, these are our summer hours. And in August, like you'll see these businesses, restaurants, everything will have signs on vacation. Yeah, same in Italy. Like don't go to on holiday in August in Italy unless you're going to the beach because everything will be closed. Like literally my mom came to visit me once and the tourist office had a sign saying, see well, you in September. <laughs> you're just like, well, I mean... Enjoy if you can find anything open. If you can find anything. I'm like, you picked a good time to come, but your choices are limited as to what we can do while you are here because everything you're thinking about is probably closed. Indeed. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kefra. In the next episode, she will share some of her expat insider favorite things to eat and experience in Madrid, Spain. That's all for now. Go ahead and follow the show or hit subscribe so you can hear more episodes like this. And if you would like my help taking bold action on your own dreams, like living abroad, changing careers, and other life transitions, visit livewithoutborderspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are. Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.